Hello and welcome to Inspired Mind Podcast. As you connect with our content, we hope that you'll be inspired to grow and develop a better you. Please be encouraged to share this with others. Happy growing. So I want to, I want to recap a little bit on some of the things that we have learned um, from previous week on this um, book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is very interesting. Honestly speaking, if you are not yet reading it, I, I don't even know what is, I don't know the kind of, the, the best excuse for you because it's simple, it's straightforward, um, it's one of the essence of our faith as Christians. You know, the book of Ephesians is one of those books that you can use as the, 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 the believer's manual. You know, you want to know how to behave as a Christian, go to the book of Ephesians. Just six, six chapters and you will be empowered and your, your paradigm will begin to change. Um, some of the things in Ephesians is, um, like I said, the entire book is a call to spiritual maturity. One of the things that we should always remember about that book is um, that every Christian um, has a before and after. You know, I love, I love, the, I love seeing before and afters. Um, when you see, especially it's common with the cosmetic industries, they will show the before and the after. Um, and in life, everybody, we all have a before and after. Um, some of the times when I want to keep my children very humble and, you know, also create some kind of fun, I will get one of the very old pictures and I will throw it in our family group chat on WhatsApp, you know, so that they see how little, how, you know, very funny and troubling they were <laughs> when they were much younger. So as a Christian, there is a before, your, pre, your pre-projection and the way you were before you met Christ compared to how you are after your encounter with Jesus. So I, it's something, as a believer, one of the things that you need to stay conscious of is, that, is there a before and after? Am I different after I met Jesus? Or I'm just the same? You know, when I, was, when I nearly gave my life um, to Jesus, I've said that so many times here, that I wasn't born, born again. Um, so I walked some paths um, in my early lives. I, you know, had what I would call the word fun. I, I was very socially involved in a lot of things. As a matter of fact, talking about being socially involved, when I was in high school, I was the social prefect of the entire school. So... You can imagine what that means. I was the one organizing the parties and every crazy thing you can think about. And so, you, the moment a lot of my friends, um, sometime in college, halfway, uh, when a lot of my friends started getting this story that I'm born again, I'm now a church guy. That's what we call it. <laughs> Ayo is now a church guy. You know, and a lot of them, I was actually hearing a lot of people, um, a lot of them said, let's watch, let's watch. It's just joking. Let's keep looking at him. He's, he's just wasting his time. I know, I know, I know. He's, I know him. He, he can't survive it. So, so, he, so I, I personally had the pleasure of being able to show everyone that was observing that indeed I'm a changed man. So I was very eager and intentional to show the after of me. I mean, they all knew my before. 
But I wanted the after to be clear. That's, why, that's how a lot of Christians, a lot of unbelievers are looking at you. When you call the name of Jesus, there's an expectation for us all. So we should always remember now, your condition outside of Christ, um, from what we taught the last week, because Jesus is the big difference in our life. It's, it's just Christ that makes a difference. That is the only thing be between you and somebody who is not a Christ follower is Christ. And that difference is huge in how your life plays out. And these are some of the things that Apostle Paul is trying to make the saints in Ephesus understand when he sent that letter to them, that your life has to be different. There got to be a before and after of your life. So your condition outside of Christ, you are dead in trespasses and sins. You know, you, you're walking according to the course of the world and the devil. Without Christ, you're fulfilling the desires of your flesh and your mind. You know, because that's, that's what we do when we're in the world. It's all about our feelings. How many of you have talked to a believer and they tell you, this is how I feel, this is how I just want to live my life, this is how I feel? You know, it's a feeling word out there. But Apostle Paul is saying that that should be your before. There must be an after of you. Now your condition in Christ, when you become seated in Christ and you have found Christ, things begin to change in your life. You don't have to just tell your friends that I'm a Christian or I'm born again. They got to see it in your life. That's the best confirmation of your salvation. So God made us alive together with Christ the moment we found him. And God raised us with Christ. So we are now, we are now seated in high place. You know, we are, we are peculiar people. We are different. In the eyes of God, you are so special right now than you've ever been. And of course, when you found Christ, you became part of the team. The Bible calls it the workmanship. In other words, there is something about you. Now you are kingdom focused. You are someone on agenda for the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. So we're going to dive straight into part two this week. How you see you. How you see you. You know, so when I became born again and I told my friends that I'm not a Christian and, you know, I was beginning to give away a lot of party at attendance, I was beginning to get marked absent in some of the crazy gatherings that we used to have. I, I was very intentional and I was conscious. There were certain things that I could love to do, but I just can't do it because... I know someone is watching. And I just had to help myself to get off and begin to um, create new attraction for myself. One of, one of such was music. Uh, if there is anything that I love more than anything, it's music. If, if you have to keep me in a desert and I don't have to see anybody and I don't have to do anything, God forbid, if I'm in isolation, just make sure that I have music and I have book to read. You know, it could be the Bible, it could be any inspirational book. I, I will be fine. So I love music. So to depart from a lot of my secular music was hard for me. 
was hard. Now, I'm not saying that secular music is sin. That's not what I'm saying. But the administrations, just as the gospel music ministers something into your spirit, secular music does the same. I was trying to explain that to my son when I was telling my son. I said, have you not noticed that when, when, you, when you're watching all these gangster or mafia movies, when they're going for some actions and the kind of music that begins to play pops them up, go get them, you know, that kind of music. I said, it's ministration. So I started getting outside. So, so it is important for us to see ourselves in light of our redemption. Who are you? People shouldn't define you. You should define yourself up front and, let, <laughs> and continue to let yourself understand that you are someone different from who you used to be. I was at Sam's Club last week, Sunday, with my wife um, after service, and we're, we're getting something for the house. And we had this terrible customer service experience. I'm sure a lot of you know what a customer service experience is when it's really terrible. You know, you don't get those kind of thing at Chick-fil-A. I'm not trying to advertise for them here. But I don't want to tell you where you get those kind of things, okay? In case you like the place and you walk there. But, but terrible customer service experience. And, and honestly, in the past, I'm more patient when it comes to customer service, um, awful customer service. I, 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 I tend to stay cool and you know, just treat them like they, they don't know better. But my, it gets my wife really angry. So my wife can't stand awkward customer service. Sometimes if I even tell my wife my experience, she'll say, did you call the manager? Did you, did you request to speak? Well, you know, I know that. So last week, we're at Sam's Club, and this customer service was terrible. And I was um, hoping my wife would respond. My wife also said, this is not a good customer service. But you know what I'm just going to, I'm just going to ignore and just leave it. And I, and I said, so why? And she said, you know, she doesn't want um, a situation where she gets anybody into trouble. And, and at the end of the day, you know, the person have, you know, get to have an encounter with her, and that just breaks the opportunity for evangelism, you know, that kind of thing. And or the person is invited to church, and the person comes to church, and um, she's the one doing call to worship or preaching that day. And the person says, that's the person that got me fired. Or that's the person that got me in trouble in church. I mean, in, at my place of work, what am I going to do? So in other words, she was conscious that, okay, if there's anything, all I need to do with my position as a leader, just have understanding, have empathy, um, maybe pray for the person I don't know. You know. But what am I saying in essence? Sometimes, even when you need to take actions that are right, because if she had gone ahead to call the manager and just talk to, probably she would save someone else from having that kind of experience and help the employee to get better. But there are two ways to it. That employee could get fired. So the consciousness of the fact that she doesn't want to be responsible because of her position and how she is, she doesn't, and she doesn't want to correct the person, and the person says, what do you mean? And it goes into exchange of words, and you don't even know who is walking past. Oh my God, Pastor Dooney, she's fighting. You know, and all that. So who are you? A lot of time, when you are conscious of who you are, it will help you in how to project Christ out there, whom you represent. 
Amen. So we have to be conscious of this reality. So how do you see you? So one of the first things that we need to understand in about how we see ourselves is the fact that we are called to newness. So when I look at myself, the moment I gave my life to the Lord, I realized that I was called for newness. There got to be a new me. I can't be the same I or that I used to be. So Apostle Paul is telling the saints in Ephesus that you cannot be the same. And you know, as a Christian, people will tell you that you are different. Yes, you are different because you are different. So this is not the you. This is not the you. This is not um, and the me that used to be. I am caught to newness. Let me read Ephesians 4, um, chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. It says, So high the prisoner of the Lord appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in love. You are caught to newness. Everything got to be new. So Apostle Paul is saying, guys, you can't be the same again. People are watching you now. You got to be different. How many of us as Christians go about in consciousness of the fact that we are different? You are not the same. Now, now you can get offended like everybody else and normal response and default response is anger and frustration. But Apostle Paul is saying right now, you got to exercise some self-control. You got to be more patient. You know, when I read this kind of scripture, I think Apostle Paul is probably talking to me. You know, one of the things, I, I'm sure I've told you guys here, one of the things you have to pay attention to when you're reading the Bible um, there are three things. I, I grouped it into three. Three strategies of reading the Bible, okay? Uh, maybe we'll take a teaching on how to study your Bible very soon. Um, three strategies for me is where, when, and why. Where, I look at the context. What was it all about? Why, what environment, in what scene or location was this scripture written? And, and, then, and then, I, then I look at the what. You know, what is he saying? What is he saying? What, what is the, the message in that scripture? And I look at the why. How do I apply it to my life? How is it relevant to my life? Why does the Bible want me to know what Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesus saint? So I'm able to look at it in that old picture. And that's how I get to gain from the Bible. So for any of you sitting down here and wondering how do I begin to learn how to read my Bible, that's how to go. You read in context. I'd like us to look at Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse 21. We'll look at 21 to 24 real quick. We are caught on newness. 21 to 24. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, now listen to this guy. He said, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
The world has an expectation placed on us as Christians, guys. And that's why a lot of people do not want to identify with being born again. There are, how many of you know someone that cover converts? They're like CIAs. They are born again, but they want to be born again behind the scene. Yeah, because once you are born again, um, salvation, we always say that redemption is, is sealed privately, but it's exhibited or is executed publicly. So you are meant to declare Christ. You can be born again in your closet, that's fine. But you can't do Christianity in closet. But a lot of people want to, why? Because they're afraid of being judged. Because the expectation is high. People are going to see you in the wrong place and say, well, you, even you, shouldn't be here. Praise the Lord. That hallelujah is not, is not very big. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, I used to think that when you are born again, it's the most, um, you know, I wanted to, um, back then, before salvation, I just wanted to be cool and smart. That's all I thought life was. Just be cool and smart. So, when I was in university, if I'm not hanging out and having all the social activity, I'm in the library studying because I just thought that life should just be cool and smart. And until saved added to the equation. So when I realized that I needed to be saved, I had to move away from my territory. That's the call for you as a believer. You are called to be unapologetically different. You are called to be the light that the world cannot even imagine that is so that is so loud and obvious praise the lord so we are caught to newness and how you should see you number two is that you are called to walk in unity so the sense of the sense of that to me according to apostle paul in in his in his message apostle paul said we are called to unity now, there is a difference between being caught to unity and being caught to uniformity. We're not caught to uniformity. We don't all have to be the same. But our difference, our diversity is meant to connect together for a common purpose. So, now let me tell you what that is to me as a believer. The after effect for me is that everything I do, I realize that I belong to a body. I'm a part of a group. And so if I embarrass myself, I'm embarrassing a body. How many of you have heard somebody say, that's how those Christians do? Somebody gave them that script with their lives. One of my first mentality of Christians is that Christians judge too much. That's because there are some Christians that judge. So the sense of unity that we all our actions and our Everything, the Apostle Paul talked about the diverse gifts that were given. Some are given the gift of apostleship, some are evangelists, and every different gift. But all is for the common good of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want us to look at, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 6, real quick. 3 to 6, turn with me to 3 to 6. 
He said, make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. You are called for unity. You are called to be in one accord. So how is this, why is this important to me in a, time, in a season like this when we're doing efficiency? Why, why is it important to me to know that I'm, I'm called to walk in unity? That's to say that everything that affects the church affects me. I'm going to stand in support. I'm going to stand in defense of my faith. That is what it means to me. What it means to me that no matter the gifts that I have, I'm not going to come to church and feel that I'm at war or I'm at competition with anybody. I'm going to come to church to know that the gift of singing, the gift of hospitality or the technical gift in the media, I'm using it all to complement every other gift that God has sent into the church so that together we can achieve one common purpose. You know why? Because we serve one God. We serve one Lord, one Master. We are all bound together by one spirit. We are all resurrected through one baptism, through one Lord. So I'm called to be united with my brethren. And that's why I will not come to church and just sit down and get blessed by the word. And the moment I'm done, I will take my Bible and go. I, I want to connect. I want to say, how can I be a blessing? In unity, because I've been called to, to bring my own beat into the fold. I'm going to say, please, in what area can I serve? I don't have so much time. I, I don't know so much. I'm just getting on board with my faith. I, I don't even know my gift yet. I've not discovered it. But I really think that Jesus has saved me so that I can be part of the project. In his kingdom. So, can you just teach me what to do? Can you just tell me where I can serve? I tell you what, my friends, when I began to realize this, I became uncomfortable to just sit down in church. Because Apostle Paul is saying it that there's a gift in you. And God wants you to use it for the advancement of the kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. What did I say is the first thing? How, what's the first way to see yourself? You are what? You are called to what? Newness. I think only one person got it. Everybody else is disconnected. Can we get it one more time? What's the first thing? I'm called to newness. I'm called to reflect the after. There was a before, but I'm called to newness. What's the second one? You are called to what? To walk in unity. So that means that there is something in you. God, Jesus, saved you for a purpose. There is something inside of you that I'm telling you, I pray that nobody goes to their deathbed when you are dying the most painful way to die is to realize that you have not fulfilled purpose. That there was so much you could have done for the Lord. There was so much that 
was deposited in you, but you were just so preoccupied with your own personal agenda, the ones that make you feel good. Is somebody still going to like me after this message? I will apologize. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You are called to unity. Sign up, for you. Sign up for the Connect group. Some of you are the best teachers of the world. I'm telling you the truth. The reason why people like us stand here is not because we are better than you. It's just because we, we just submitted and said, God, use me if you can. Of course, if you can use anything, you can use me. Some of you are sitting down and you are the real deal. The Bible, biblical exegesis of the word is so natural in you. When I do family devotion and when I see the way my son interprets, because when we just read, when we read a verse, um, we, usually, we usually say, what do you think? What do you think the Lord is saying? And everybody just interprets. And there's sometimes there's just a way my son just connects this. And I just say, oh my God. Inside my mind, I say, oh Lord. I think this might be the original of me. <laughs> Maybe I'm the fake. This boy better grow to, to keep loving the Lord because God is going to use him for something awesome. You got to get up. And let's celebrate our diversity. Let's celebrate our uniqueness. Let's know that we are not different. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. I want to quickly read that for, to you so that you can understand what I'm saying about your diversity. He said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. We have one simple agenda. Apostle Paul was telling the saints in Ephesus that everything that is in you is not for your own glory. Don't go about saying that you can't sing like me, you can't, you can't, you don't know technical like me, or you, you can't teach like me. It's not a competition. It's for you to bring your gifts, be conscious of it, develop your gift, and bring it together, and together let's face common purpose of bringing glory to the God, I mean to the kingdom of God. That's who we are. So every Sunday when I feel like sleeping extra, sometimes in the week when I feel like, oh my God, maybe I should take a break from this Sunday. Do you know what, what immediately triggers in my mind? I say, oh, if I don't go to church to do my part, how are we going to have a, a successful, excellent service? I'm going to leave a loophole. I'm going, to, I'm going to make my team stranded. Imagine all of you coming to church and everybody has done their beats, the technical, they've done their projection and... And the worship team has done their fantastic usual job. And when it's time for the ministration, nobody home. Where's the pastor? And someone else, maybe, maybe a Leon's or Ernest or a, a, a D.Y. has to just rub the Bible and just come up and help. I feel I failed the team. We're called in unity, people. Praise the Lord. I hope you live here today telling yourself that how can I add value to God's kingdom? I don't even know how somebody prays. How do you pray when you pray to God? I think God is just not transactional. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, 
Usually, all, all over the scripture, I see saints remind God of what value they are adding to him and put a demand on God. David does it. You know, so many people do that. Lord, you remember, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. How do you pray when you are not in that unity and you don't have to do it in church? And lastly, lastly, somebody, you are called to walk in purity. You know, unity and purity. Praise the Lord. You are called to walk in purity. Let's look, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32. That's the last part of that chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32. Amen. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When we are talking about purity, purity is a call for us to walk according to the word, not according to the word. I don't know if somebody understands what I'm saying. You know, purity, a lot of people freak out when we say we are called to purity. We're like, nobody can be pure. Nobody is pure. Oh, of course you are right. Nobody is pure. You can't even be close to purity. But like we said when, in our opening, our purity comes from our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is speaking to someone today. I hope, it, I hope you are listening. So he says, you are called to walk in purity. In other words, you are not called to walk... You know, you're not called to walk like the Gentiles. You know, the Gentiles, they are known for their fertility of mind and their licentiousness. You know, they, 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 permit, their, they permit their mind to do anything. That's very typical of the Gentiles. And we all used to be like that. Remember the before and after. But God is calling you to purity. He's calling you to walk in light of the world, not in light of the world system. So when there's somebody says to you that you can be all you want to be, you know, when there is so much Libra crusade that you can be the extreme of whatever it settles in your mind, let them know that you can't live by your mind. How many of us know that our minds will never stop playing tricks on us? The mind is always messing with us. How many of you have gotten over a feeling in the past that you are so grateful today that God did not allow you to follow that feeling? So walking in purity is walking in light of the word of God. Walking in the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guiding every step that you take. Before every decision, you are telling yourself, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus want me to walk? in this issue. Praise the Lord. Amen? You know, Apostle Paul specified that when in our before, you know, the sort of things that we are known for is lying, hunger, theft, corruption, and evil speech, and bitterness, and wrath. 
These were some of the things that is very typical of us before. But when we are called to walk in purity, in other words, I'm called to walk as a light. I'm called to walk as a reflection. You know, I told you at the beginning that when people say what is the best um, um, version of the Bible, is your life that is the best version of the Bible. There are some people who never read the Bible. But everybody's reading your life. And the Lord is said to use you as a connect to the world that is broken. Somebody said that there are 53% of people in the world that will never come to church. When you invite them, they don't want to come. They feel you have no clue, you don't know nothing, you can't relate to their issues. 53%, do you know what that is? So those 53%, how do we reach them with the gospel of Jesus? We go to the word with our life and they read our life and they get the Bible because our life is a reflection of our Bible. And I just want to let you guys know something here today. No matter how broken you feel, no matter how wounded or how hopeless or how you know, fed up and overwhelmed with life you are, let something settle in your heart as you begin to evaluate who you are, as you begin to see yourself. One thing that should settle in your heart is that you are the child of a king. And it should settle in your heart that if God is going to look good, you must look good. I told you guys last week that as parents, our, a lot of us are being judged by the way people see our children. That's why moms don't take it lightly. My wife is the, she's the queen and the champion of the house. You know, she makes sure we all, everybody's, everybody's on top of it. You know, you can't go out with my wife looking all weird. Amen. They say action speaks louder than our words. If a lot of us can begin to see our actions to matter more. Fifty-three percent of people that will never come to church. But there in the world, a lot of them we connect with God. And Jesus will still recruit them and bring them to church. But Jesus is counting on you and me. I've told people, a lot of time we get carried away with thinking that ministry is in the church. See, the only thing the church does is to equip you. The real church is out there in your place of work as you execute your job in your church. So if you are conscious of you, if you are rethinking you, your customer service is not going to be depending on what your manager told you. It's going to be depending on the fact that you want people to know that there's something unique about you and that is Jesus. In a way that they will come and pull you aside and say, you know what, I've, seen, I've, I've received good, great customer service, but there's something different about you. And you say, I'm a believer. 
many of us think it will be cool when Christians go about with that logo and we are, we are that kind of brand that everybody sees us and they just want to follow Jesus? Guys, it starts from us knowing who we are. Stay conscious of who you are. You know, we jokingly, I jokingly tell my kids, I said, I said to my kids, I said, you be, mind that you behave out there, you are, you are, you are, you are an Ajiboe. That is just, I'm just a word, word, normal, single, ordinary person. And I care so much about how my kids represent me. Can you imagine how it matters to Jesus how we represent him? Let's rise on our feet, people. Guys, let your before serve as your story. We all have stories. Let it serve as your story. But let your after be your testimony. And the greatest sermon that we all have in our mouth, there's nobody here who doesn't have this sermon. Your greatest sermon is your story. A lot of time, you, we have to do evangelism in an unconventional way. You know, you don't have to walk up to... I think you'll be looking weird when you walk up to... So, hi, hi, how you doing? Uh, um, glory be to God. God bless you. God bless you. My name... I'm, 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 a, I'm a child of God. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. I think the world will reject you most cases right now. But there's nothing as sweet as when somebody comes to you and say, I've been going through this kind of miserable life. I... I've been struggling. There's so much going on. And you say to them that, oh my God, I've been in that story. Can I share my story with you? Nobody rejects a story. But when you're giving them your story, let them know that it's the story of your before and your after. That I used to worry, but I used to freak out about every little thing before I met Jesus. But now, even when I'm in trial and when I'm in tribulation, I rejoice. Who does that? Only through Jesus can you rejoice in pain. Come on, put your hand on yourself and say, I am a child of God. Come on, go ahead and say it one more time. I'm different. Hallelujah. God's ultimate gift to man is Jesus. Like I said before, as, as we bring this to a close. So we cannot be fulfilling our spiritual work until we learn to sit in Christ. We start walking by first sitting. So if you do not have Jesus in your life, everything I've been saying is so hard. It's a torture for you to have to live the life. You see, one of the, th one of the things you don't understand is when a, when a preacher or when a teacher is teaching about, you know, how you can reflect your lifestyle, to reflect Jesus is such a body you feel in your mind that how am I going to do that? Where, where do I even start from? The only way that is easy is when you sit in Jesus. Sitting with Jesus guarantees you're working with him. So if you do not have Jesus in your life, I just want to extend that, um, that invitation to you that you rise and just ask the Lord to take your life. Say, Jesus, I want an experience of the before and after, like everyone else. 
and I want to be able to post my before and after. How many of you know that a lot of people like to display their before and after? Oh, I used to be this size. Now I'm this size. I love to display the before and after of my life as a Christian. Our Father, Lord, we thank you. Starting with those that are giving their lives today, those that are making a decision to walk with you, Jesus. They want to have an experience of that newness, of that passion towards unity with the church. They don't want to come to church, they want to belong to a church. That call to walk in purity by the word of God. But every relationship starts with a relationship with you, Jesus. And so we just cry unto you, Father, Lord, that you will accept these ones into the fold and just hold their heart and begin to lead them for you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And for every one of us that have given our lives to you, we've known you for years, we've been in this relationship for decades. But we are still not yet walking in that newness, in that unity. We're not yet connecting. We're not yet involved. We're not yet walking by total dictate of your word. Father, we ask for your mercy. Have mercy on us. Let this message be the turning point for us, Jesus. We just, we just want to see in our mind how we can totally sink in. Just like Apostle Paul demanded of the saints in Ephesus. We want to begin to walk in your light, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' most precious name we pray.